Welcome to this Nordics Info podcast. Nordics Info is a research dissemination website based at Aarhus University in Denmark and publishes material by researchers on many different aspects of the Nordic countries within the social sciences and humanities. Nordics Info is part of the university hub Reimagining Norden in an Evolving World, Renew. My name is Nicola Whitcomb and I am editor of the website. This podcast series is based on me catching up with specialists and experts at different university events and discussing particular topics of the day with them. This podcast is about the Nordic model and is the second of two podcasts about the subject. It was recorded at the Institute for Contemporary History at Södertörn University in Sweden following an academic workshop on democracy in the Nordic countries in October 2019. I'm pleased to be here at Södertörn University near Stockholm in Sweden uh, with three academics to discuss the Nordic model. Thank you for being here. Would you like to introduce yourselves? Yes, thank you, Nicola. My name is Andreas Mörkvehelenes. I'm a Norwegian uh, living in Aarhus, Denmark, where I work as a postdoc at the university. My name is Karl Marklund. I'm a Swedish uh, person <laughs> living in Sweden and I'm uh, currently working at the Institute of Contemporary History here at Södertörn where we are actually recording right now. And I'm Byron Ram Jensen. I am an American living in Denmark for seven years and uh, also a postdoctoral researcher at Aarhus University. Okay, thank you. And in the first <coughs> podcast we talked about uh, how long the term the Nordic model has been around. We talked about how it can be deemed uh, in a positive light and a negative light, among other things. Um, and we're going to focus here on whether the application of the Nordic model elsewhere, outside the Nordics, is possible or even desirable. Uh, and we're going to look at some examples. Uh, and have a, a wider discussion, hopefully, on the effect of modelising uh, an aspect of a country or even the country itself. So, um, can we come up with some examples uh, where it has been attempted to apply one or more of the Nordic models or aspects of the Nordic models elsewhere and how did it work out? Would you like yeah. to go first, Byron? <laughs> sure. Uh, well, it's, um, it's a difficult question because as we discussed in the previous podcast, the Nordic model itself is such a flexible term and it has such a diversity and, and also a vagueness of meaning. So what it means to actually modelize, what it means to actually uh, try to, to adopt a Nordic model depends. It can be about adopting a specific policy, it can be about adopting specific institutions, it can even be adopting a specific approach, a type of approach, um, all depending on the standpoint of the, the, the interpreter, the standpoint of that adopter. Uh, Could you tell us a little bit about uh, your specific research that you've done on um, uh, the Swedish model of labor market relations, perhaps? Uh, sure. Well, that's it's interesting because it's a Swedish model of, of labor market relations uh, in the 1960s, but it also represents, in some many ways, a Nordic model. It has many of the same features uh, in the 1960s, organized labor, powerful organized labor uh, movement, organized employers representing um, uh, as a specific 
um, as a, well, not a union, but as a specific organization, as a specific um, uh, negotiating uh, partner, um, and functioning within a system where there was a minimal amount of interference uh, from the state. At, while at the same time, there's a attempt by government to steer the economy through various labor market programs. Um, <clears throat> and that policy actually starts to sound very attractive to the Kennedy administration. Uh, it's uh, they're in a situation where they're looking to both uh, control various um, strikes, various uh, work stoppages, while also at the same time trying to uh, cut down on unemployment. Unemployment at the time in, in Sweden is uh, below 2%, um, which looks very good for the U.S., which is at 6%. Um, so they ended up bringing in several Swedish delegations to speak about this Swedish model. They're not really referring to a Swedish model at that point, but they're referring to a Swedish way. Mm. Um, and that actually causes some jealousy amongst the, the other Scandinavian nations. They're saying, okay. well, see, we have... We have the same program here. Why aren't you looking at Norway? It's why this. Why is it always Sweden? So, um, but it doesn't necessarily go so well because nobody can really agree what the point is. Uh, the Kennedy administration they want to become a watchdog for uh, labor market stoppages. Uh, the unions in the United States they want to have more power, more say in terms of determining policy. Business is generally just in, uninterested in this okay. whole system. So you get a lot of talk and you get a lot of attempts to form a, to, to copy a type of communication, but the actual copying of the institutions the, of this approach, this, this method, as we talked about last time, that never comes to fruition. Okay. And that's actually one of the more success, successful examples. <laughs> <laughs> Are there any examples from um, other countries in the world where aspects of the Nordic model have been uh, used elsewhere? Yes, there are, but I would say that it's, it's often in the kind of more vague presentational sense when we have political debates that is like the notion of the model is being used. But when it comes to actual policies, usually one talks about the policy, you know, like the ombudsman, as mm. Byron has researched, for example. And there is another concept that might actually describe this, uh, norm entrepreneurship, so that the Nordic countries have been relatively successful in, in formulating programs and scripts for reform uh, norms on the global uh, agenda, so to speak, when it comes to, for example, uh, the Norwegian campaign against landmines and things like that, and ideas about gender policy and ideas about uh, environmental sustainability and so forth. And the Nordic countries have been relatively successful in, in marketing themselves as good marketers of themselves. It's a very interesting kind of <laughs> dual language thing here. I think also that um, uh, that doesn't mean necessarily that, that very much actual policies have been translated, but they have served as inspiration. Um, and that's, that's something that's quite clear and we can observe that rather well. Um, at the same time, uh, this is precisely which means, I mean, the, the Nordic countries in that sense actually present a, a smorgasbord, if you will, of various policy solutions and various policy entrepreneurs can pick and choose and take elements of this uh, and implement here and there. I guess there's, there's also an element about where are we actually looking. Mm. Um, my, my research has focused very much on the United States as 
a, a uh, nation state, and that's sort of one to one. They take from Sweden and they implement in the U.S. in Washington D.C. But we maybe find more successful examples if we look at other levels of government. Mm. Um, I'm just thinking uh, my own home state, New Jersey, which implemented uh, a Finnish baby basket type system and labeled under the idea of a Nordic model mm. of childcare. So. It's, it's also uh, what level are you actually looking what at? What exactly there? is a baby basket? So the idea that uh, new mothers would receive a uh, bassinet filled with all sorts of goods that they would need. Mm -hmm. um, and the, New Jersey sort of changed that a little bit from a universal system to a um, specifically means-based system. Okay. But there was... Uh, but it was much more successful because it was a, a modest policy, a smaller policy, um, in a specific state context, but at the same time marketed under that idea of a Nordic model. Okay. Ideas about, for example, pension systems in, mm -hmm. in California, state yeah. level, mm -hmm. during the early 1960s, when mm -hmm. California was relatively progressive at that point in time, and mm -hmm. so forth. Okay, so this discussion about different aspects of the Nordic model models um, does this have an impact on the Nordic countries themselves? Does it reflect back to the Nordic countries and how they see themselves, how they um, implement policy and so on and so forth? Um, would anyone like to <laughs> answer that? Yeah, I think um, it's interesting simply to look at the, the model concept itself and, and, and how it first came into use in the Nordic countries uh, regarding regarding the Swedish case. As, as Byron just said, the other uh, or representatives of the other Nordic countries were, were provoked by the fact that Americans in the 1960s seemed to always go for the Swedish solutions instead of their own. And, and in fact, the, the, the model concept itself first uh, appeared in it in a Swedish guise, so to speak, as the Swedish model, or more precisely the Modèle Suédois, as it, as it was a, a concept that spread in French political debate in the late 1960s to begin with, and uh, which Olof Palme, Prime Minister of Sweden, actually reacted strongly against, precisely because, in his view, the model concept seemed to represent something fixed and not the sort of flexible, dynamic uh, meth method that, that we talked about earlier. Um, however, uh, through the 1970s, and, and in particular uh, as the elections in Sweden in 1976 uh, came closer, conservative Swedish politicians used the Swedish model in their attacks on Palmer's government claiming that uh, uh, that Palma introducing radical policies was breaking with what foreigners found so inspiring in Sweden, the Swedish model. Uh, only then did the Social Democrats appropriate the concept and made it one of their key slogans. And I think it's safe to say that, that since then it's been closely associated with, with social uh, democracy uh, in Sweden. Isn't it so that uh, recently they've even sought to copyright? Was it the Swedish model they sought to copyright, perhaps, or um, actually the Nordic model? The Nordic yeah. model, but okay. Yeah. By the Swedish, interesting. yeah. The Swedish Social Democratic Party sought yeah. to do that, and I, and and it was also accepted. It should be probably qualified a bit because it means like 
you're use you're only allowed to use it to, to be the only users when you use it for for example um, educational outreach efforts and uh, for advertisements and political advertisements and so forth and this is of course a reflection of the centrality of this concept in Swedish domestic political debate I would argue that it's it's a concept precisely as Andrea said that has a transnational origin transnational history but has now become shall we say even more in focus domestically than internationally I would argue and this is a clear reflection of that and at the same time of course that claiming the Nordic model on the part of the Swedish Social Democrats is in its turn a reflection of the fact that the previous Swedish conservative or center-right government used the term the Nordic way when they presented a joint platform of why are the Nordic countries achieving success in socio-economical indexes and so forth at the World, uh, World Economic Forum in Davos then they didn't want to use the concept of the Nordic model because it was already precisely as, as Andreas uh, indicated in a sense uh, coded with the social democrats. Now the conservatives had the Nordic way instead. So they had so to claim a different uh, Yeah, they uh, had already claimed yes. Like. Yeah. yeah. They had already claimed that mm. a different headline but mm. then that also meant that uh, th that the social democrats saw an opportunity then to to really even more closely tie the concept of the Nordic model to themselves. And there was also this kind of rather big uh, research group operating out of Oslo, which was trying to kind of find ways of identifying what is the Nordic model uh, today uh, mm -hmm. and how, how can it be adapted to facing the challenges of globalization and, and, and an ever more competitive world market. Mm -hmm. There's also been some interesting ping-pong in terms of dis diplomacy uh, uh, over the years. One example with respect to Denmark was that uh, Trish Reagan on Fox News um, likened Denmark to Venezuela and pointed to uh, the fact that uh, students are funded through university, so they would never finish university, and that the state rather sort of stifled um, entrepreneurialism um, and um, productive working life and so on. Um, and there was a bit of a response in, 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 in Denmark for that. Uh, I don't know whether you want to say a bit more about that, Byron? Or? Oh, sh uh, well, sure. I mean, it's, I guess it's clear that there's the transnational aspect of, of the Nordic model has been very much incorporated in within domestic politics, but the rest of the world still matters mm. uh, in terms of how does the uh, where does the ideological battlegrounds still exist? Um, they're they're domestic, but they're also foreign. And uh, yeah, Trish Reagan's uh, on Fox News's um, declaration of the, the socialist uh, uh, Denmark was met with outrage. It was met with um, both um, official response, well, twi official Twitter responses, um, trying to demonstrate that Denmark actually had higher rates of, of work than the United States. Then with the see, we're still better than you. Um, but at the same time, I mean, there was also a lot of agreement, or at least some agreement. Mm -hmm. uh, the Danish uh, newspaper Belinske, which mm -hmm. is, uh, generally has a more conservative point of view, basically said, uh, yeah, th this is correct. The Danish model reduces incentives. And, thus needs to be reformed. So um, <clears throat> it created a, a uh, platform for discussing what is the future of, of a Danish model. 
it's interesting because I mean, from a comparative perspective, there might be some sort of uh, evidence pointing in that direction. But at the same time, I think it's very much based upon a, a U.S. conservative misreading of the Nordic concept of lifelong learning, lifelong learning, which actually is a part of the Nordic educational model, if you will allow me to use that concept <laughs> to do some modelizing here. Um, and I think that this is something which maybe not appears particularly provocative or or strange or or, or or somehow linked to any political battlegrounds in an internal Nordic mm. context. But when taken into an international arena, it all of a sudden can get wings and fly in a different direction. Mm. I, I also wanted to mention that uh, uh, this, this phenomenon of... Uh, ping-ponging ping backwards and forwards, as you, as you mentioned, is something which has occurred also with regard to Sweden, for example, in 2009, when the, the Obama government were looking at ways in which to reform the banking system and, and, and also saving the auto industry in the US after the financial crisis, they brought in the former Swedish uh, Minister of Finance to do a congressional hearing on how Sweden had solved its crisis, or at, le at least sought to solve its crisis in the early 1990s. And this was then picked up in Fox News again, with, uh, with the following tagline, we got to defeat this recession, but do we want to turn the US into Sweden? Uh, okay. You know, the idea of socialist Sweden, you know, what do we want to go socialist on, on the US? while in fact these measures were being implemented by a strict conservative government in Sweden. So some of things are lost in translation here, if you will. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, we've discussed um, different models and different aspects and, uh, of, of models. Um, we've also discussed how it can be a problem to generalize about a group, group of com countries that are actually quite different. But on the other hand, surely there's also merit in looking and discussing uh, about the Nordic model, and that's what I'd like to talk about now. I mean, why is it important to discuss societal models in, in this way? Um, well, I think first and foremost, because there are actually, uh, th this is a political form of communication, that there are political party strategists, there are policy professionals across the world who simply are looking at what are they doing in other countries and why shouldn't they? I mean, it's uh, it's one of the tenets of the OECD, for example. We are involved in a learning process when we are studying what they're doing in different countries. And then, of course, when packaging this for, uh, not for export, because it sounds like very much like uh, superimposing oneself, there is an exchange of ideas between different countries with regard to how to solve social and economic problems. There are mechanisms of benchmarking to see which kind of policies are actually successful and which ones are not. And so th this is like a political learning process. And then in that context, it makes sense to try to somehow conceptualize what are the policies that we are being used. And then in that sense, the model appears as a helpful tool. So, well, we have undertaken this with regard to the pension system or the tax system or something like that. Well, that's an incredibly complex thing to do. Now we're going to talk with somebody else about how that is done. And then, of course, we present a model of how it was done, a simplification, if you will. 
And this is part of global policy communication and diffusion, as, as Byron has been studying, for example. Another aspect of it, this is, of course, that when, uh, when, when societies are struggling with, with challenges and you can see that certain countries are, are, are doing better than others, it becomes natural that uh, other countries are studying those that seem to be somewhat more successful. And this is one of the reasons why, for example, uh, Western European politics have been copied in Eastern Europe, for example, regardless of their eventual merit. They were simply better off mm-hmm. at a, a particular point in time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, um, are there any concluding remarks about mortalization? Yeah, well, one aspect that I would like to bring to the table is uh, something that has preoccupied us very much as researchers. Uh, we have all of us been involved with, 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 with these questions about what is the role of the model or the models rather in political debate. And precisely as Andreas just said, these have been political concepts. The, the Swedish model and the Nordic model have been used in political struggles. And uh, that, that that's like, so therefore they are meaningful uh, and there are attempts at mobilizing political change on the basis of these concepts. Um, and, and, and that aspect, I think, is very important. Uh, another aspect is also that you have, um, at least in the Swedish case, which I know better than the other Nordics, there is a certain sense of seeing Swedish pioneering spirit or being ahead and, and pushing various policy agendas and serving as an example to others as a policy goal in itself to be a pioneer, to be a leader. And this is not something which belongs solely to the social democratic or shall we call it progressive sides of, of uh, Swedish political landscape. I mean, the, the Conservative Party regularly talks about Sweden as being the pioneering country and so forth. I guess that's, <clears throat> I guess that's also what's so interesting about um, when you discuss a Nordic model, it creates a specific benchmark Mm. by which you can just establish what is the the original who mm. is original i mean that's um you have both a um uh, well we were just at this this uh, seminar about nordic uh, democracy and establishing okay what what exactly does it mean to have nordic democracy from sharing these different ideas and where does that where was that originally established and what is the future right now it's um uh you can see for example um L- politicians in Iceland using a Nordic model um, to say, well, we're part of this larger, um, this larger institution, but at the same time, we were first. We were the first to be democratic. We were the first to have cons- um, parliamentary consensus. So it's, uh, yeah, it, it also sends the, when we discuss a Nordic model or when anyone discuss, it tries to reduce these societies into models, it also um, creates a di- that dialogue about well, what exactly elements are we should we be comparing? Yeah, and um, to just add that we've talked a lot uh, here uh, about uh, the model part of the Nordic model, but not that much about the Nordic part of it, and it's mm. it's something I find uh, I find interesting as well, and I think that maybe and and perhaps we'll get back to this in the future, uh, <laughs> fellow researchers, but. Uh, 
there's also something about how the, the, the sort of epithet or the adjective Nordic in itself is, mm. is sort of ascribed some of the model qualities. Right. Mm. Uh, precisely as uh, Byron touched upon uh, when he talked about the, the import of what was the name of it? The baskets, he said. Oh, the, the, the bassinets, yeah. the uh, child baskets. Yeah, yeah precisely. Mm -hmm. Simply by referring to them as Nordic, mm. uh, uh, that meant something, meant something particular. Yeah. Okay, and we'll leave it there. Um, you've been listening to um, a podcast on the Nordic model. Uh, we were examining how the Nordic model is framed and used in and outside Norden. Uh, and can help us to not only understand various societies better, but also illuminate a more general impulse to create understandable frameworks in order to fathom complex political and cultural patterns. Um, I'd like to thank my three guests today, Andreas, Byron and Carl, um, our funders, the Independent Research Fund Denmark and Nordforsk, uh, and thanks also go to our very own research university hub, Reimagining Norden in an Evolving World. Um, please do listen to future podcasts. And if you would like to know more, take a look at the website Nordics Info.